Well, well, good morning, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Unrounding the Words of Yahweh. My name is Kevin Eitner, and so glad to have you tuning in here this morning. Oh, mercy sakes. Hey, man, we are in this book of Revelation, or, or as I like to say, the Apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah. And there, there's no doubt about it that, that John, John the Beloved, he, he is the author of this, uh, this book, this book of Revelation, the Apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah. And uh, it was taken somewhere around the 95, 96, 97 A.D. era. And we, we just finished up in chapters 4 and 5. And, and you remember I told you John was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day. And also he was taken up into the heaven. And, and Revelation, when you sit down and you analyze the chapters, what's very unique is you'll have like chapters 4 and 5 were things up in heaven. Now we're going to start to see the first vision on the earth here. The six seals, the sealing of the 144,000 and so forth. Now, what we learned from the entire first vision, in, 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 so in other words, in heaven, is putting forth a power on earth in the completion of the redemption of the purchased inheritance. Keep in mind that Yeshua Messiah's first advent, the price had been paid in the shedding of the precious blood of the Lamb. And now, as we will see in this first vision, the necessary power is to be exercised so as to secure all its wondrous results in wrestling the inheritance from the hand of the enemy by injecting the present usurper and forcibly taking possession. We will see this power put forth in the seals, trumpets, and the vials, which fill up the active judgments of Yahweh in accomplishing this and which end with the coming of the Lord himself. This is the great object set forth in the preceding vision in heaven. And now we are to see the result of all of its consequence on it, on the earth. You see, folks, John sees it all, of course, in heaven. But what he saw here in this chapter 1, verse chapter 6, verse 1, to chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, will take place on earth. Just as what he sees in chapters 4 and 5 has taken place in heaven, and does and will take place here. This is the first vision of what takes place on earth in the day of the Lord. The great subject is the opening of the six seals. Now, <coughs> we have to ask ourselves a question here. This is very important. We must ask ourselves, when did Yeshua Messiah begin to open this scroll? You remember we, we read there in chapter 5, we talk about the book there. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. And they go on down here. Who's worthy to open this book? Then they said the lamb was. That slaughtered lamb. Verse 12. Saying that with a loud Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. So we have to ask ourselves. When was this opened up? 
Now keep in mind, when you go into Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, it says John was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. We know from the Old Testament that the Lord's day is the day that Yahweh pours out his vengeance upon this earth. But we don't know is when was the seals literally open? Were they open up? Now I want you to think about this now. Were the seals opened up in this AD 97, 95, 96 era when John was taken up and seen this vision? Or was this happening right after the resurrection? You remember he told Mary, touch me not for I'm not yet ascended. And the reason why she couldn't touch him, because he was that lamb. Just like we read here in chapter 5. He was that lamb, that Passover lamb. So he had to be perfect clean. So she couldn't touch him. And we depict her in chapter 5 of a lamb. So once again, and I say this very important because this throws an anchor into all your pre-trib rapture doctrines. Think about it. Because if the seals were, let's just say, I'll just use an example now. If the seals were open, <coughs> excuse me, if the seals were open in 97 AD, That means we're going through all this. So the question remains, when was this seal, the book open, the seals open? You see, for the six seals are separate off from the seventh in a remarkable manner. As though to point out to us that the seventh is not immediately consecutive on the sixth, as the other seals are consecutive one on the other. Even though these seals may be in consecutive order, I believe that they may overlap each other and that the possibility we may even be in, listen up now, the fifth seal even today. <coughs> the sixth seal evidently carries us forward to the time of the end, for it speaks of the signs of the sun and the moon and the stars there in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 6 which the Lord associates with his personal appearances. There in Matthew 24, uh, check out uh, check out Joel. Yahweh is my uh, L. Uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 31, where it is called the great and terrible day of the Lord. As though it were the climax of the whole period known as the day of the Lord. It is it is called in the sixth seal the great wrath, the great day of his wrath. There in chapter 6 here in Revelation, verse 17. And the signs in heaven are the great final scene, as we see there in verse 14, and described and described in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. If this were so, then these first six seals are separate, very definitely, from the seventh, and silence in heaven, which follows the opening of the seventh, indicates a pause. The six seals present us with a preliminary summary of the judgments, which cover the whole period. The sixth leading up to and ending in the actual coming of Yeshua Messiah, or at, at any rate, to the end of chapter 18. 
We do know that in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 6, and in answer to the first question to the disciples, when shall these things be? That's to say, when the temple shall be destroyed. The Lord at once adds, not yet is the end. Telos. Then he goes on to answer the second question. What shall be the sign of thy coming and all of the centilia of the age? He describes four of those seals there in verse 7 and adds, all these are a beginning of sorrows. This fixes these earlier seals at the beginning of the centilia of the day of the Lord. This beginning may be spread over some years before the great tribulation comes on. Thus, these first six seals again separate uh, from the seventh. <coughs> we are now given the first vision showing the events on the earth as a whole. It will be seen that they are divided between two subjects, the persecutors and the persecuted. Those who are on the side of the Antichrist and those who suffer or have immunity from suffering for refusing to worship him. It will be noted also how perfectly Matthew 24 corresponds with this first scene on the earth. The whole summary of the centelia and the telos. We see here in chapter 6, in my outline here, verses 1 and 2, the false messiah going forth to make war on the saints. They're in that first seal, which corresponds to Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. We read in verses 3 through 8, <laughs> Excuse me, 3 through 8, judgment on him and his followers. And we read that in Matthew chapter 6, or chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. We read about the, the effects of war with the saints in the fifth seal, just as we read there in Matthew 24, verses 8 through 28. So we see a great parallel between all this. And this is what we have to remember. The judgments on him and his followers, the sixth seal, as we read there in Matthew 24, verses 29 and 30. The question is, who shall be able to stand? We, we see in chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, answered to the question by the sealing of the 144,000, enabling them to stand in the judgment, just as we read there in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. <coughs> in the companion Bible, there's a chart, and it actually shows the breakdown of Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6. It's, it's awesome. Truly, it's, it's awesome. Now, I want my listeners to understand clearly my suggestion as to these seals. I separate them all from the trumpets and the vials, which are continuous once they've begun. This is shown from the fact, as we'll see below. That the last two trumpets and the first vial are linked together as being the three three woes. Thus they are marked as consecutive. You understand that? The last two trumpets and the first vial are linked together. <coughs> there is a key that unlocks the mystery of Revelation. It's been theorized that Revelation was written in chronological order. This means that the events will occur in the sequence they are written. Unfortunately, with this as a fundamental assumption, it will be impossible to understand this great book. 
This is because the chronological order theory is flawed. You are about to discover why. I will show you the secret to understanding Revelation by going through one simple exercise. We will compare three key events in Revelation with each other. The sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial. Now listen up, pay attention now. The sixth seal is recorded in chapter 6. The seventh trumpet is in 11th chapter. The seventh vial is found in chapter 16. We will discover that these three events are actually one and the same. The sixth seal is the seventh trump and the seventh vial. One event is recorded in chapter 6. It's then again recorded in chapter 11. It's recorded a third time in chapter 16. <coughs> Therefore, Yahweh gives us three different accounts of the end time. These three accounts are given in the seals, trumpets, and the story of the vials. The stories are different, but as we will discover, they have a common intersection point. Just as we are given four different accounts of the life of Yeshua Messiah through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have likewise been given accounts of the end time the events through the seals, trumpets, and the vials. The seals, however, I feel compelled by the events under the sixth to regard as the summary of all the divine judgments which will usher in the day of the Lord, including the whole of the centilia or the tribulation, leading up to the telos or the end, the last seven years, and the great day of his wrath. Thus they cover the whole period in a broad outline. After the last seal, there is a break, shown by the silence in heaven. And we are turned aside to see some of the further details as to these judgments. Beginning, we may say, with the trumpets. After the last trumpets, there is no such break, no silence in heaven or on earth. But the last trumpet at once ushers in and contains and develops the final judgments of the seven vials, which finish up the mystery or the secret purpose of Yahweh. For we read in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, that in the days of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of Yahweh should be finished, as he hath declared to the servants the prophets. The seventh trumpet expands into the seven vials, and this ends with the final destruction of Babylon, which closes up these earthly judgment scenes. <coughs> now, in order to understand, what I'm doing is, as we, I'm setting this stage up, so when we get into this, the, this, the seals, the trumpets, and the vials, Hopefully you're creating this chart that you could see all these events. And we have to ask ourselves, is, is, are there three events of the same, which is the same event, or three different events? Let me talk about this for a second. In order to understand the sequence of end time events, it's vital to have a correct understanding how the book of Revelation structured. Was it written in chronological Once again, I ask you, was it written in chronological order or is there some other order? 
If Revelation is in chronological order, then the sequence of end time events is very nearly laid out for us. All we would have to do is read the book from the beginning to the end, and we would know what will happen. If, however, Revelation was not written in a time sequence, then in what order was it written? <coughs> for instance, you will discover that Revelation was not written in chronological order. There is an order, but it's not chronological. Also, you will acquire an understanding of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials. You will understand that Daniel's 70th week and the great tribulation in terms like the wrath, of, the wrath of Yahweh, the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the rapture, and the resurrection. Through, this is what we're going to try to focus on. We're going to, there's, uh, now, there is a key that unlocks the mystery of Revelation. In this lesson, you will discover that secret. It's not complicated. Actually, it's quite simple. It's been through, once again, it's been, I'm going to, I'm going to try to try to get this through your, your, your head here. It's been theorized that Revelation was written in chronological order. This means the events will occur in sequence as they are written. Unfortunately, with this as the fundamental assumption, it will be impossible to understand Revelation. This is because the chronological order theory is flawed. What we're going to do is, we're going to find out, for instance, one event is recorded in chapter 6, then, then it's recorded again in chapter 11, then it's a third time it's in chapter 16. John, John writes in chapter 1, verse 19, Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be after. All the things that John wrote in Revelation can be divided in three distinct categories. Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 tells us that these categories are things which thou hast seen, things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. John in chapter 1 records seeing Yeshua Messiah himself. Things seen and heard during his experience are the things which thou hast seen. The things which are represent things that are in John's present world. That is clearly illustrated in chapters 2 and 3. John's letters to the seven churches, which we, we studied in depth, which existed at that time in Asia. These seven messages cap capture perfectly the things which are from John's perspective. After John's exile in the island of Potmos was over, he returned to Asia and became the overseer of these seven churches. He then was able to personally present the message given to him by Yahweh to each of these congregations. Assuming now that the entire book of Revelation is prophetic, some have put forth a theory that the seven churches are prophetic of the seven church ages. It's certainly true that any of these messages sent to the seven churches would be applicable to our churches today. Is there a church anywhere that the message to the Ephesians would not be appropriate? I have somewhat against thee because I had left thy first love. But to say that each of these seven churches of Revelation 12, uh, chapter 2 and 3 represent church ages is simply not accurate. 
<coughs> the simple truth is that the message of the seven churches fall in the category of things which are. In, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, it reads, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was, as it were, the trumpet talk with me, which had come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Some have taught that the phrase, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter, prophesies of the rapture. No, 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 no. We're going to find out that this cannot be true. For now, let's just assume that this passage simply means what it says. I will show you things which must be hereafter. Once again, chapters 1 through 3 contains the things which thou hast seen and the things which are. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 simply begins, things which shall be hereafter. Now, what we have to understand is Yahweh gave, gives us three different accounts of the end time. These three accounts are given in seals, trumpets, and the story of the vials. The stories are different, but as we're going to discover in this study, they have a common intersection point. The seals and the trumpets and the vials comprise the basic structure of the book of Revelation. Beyond this basic structure, there are other parts of the book of Revelation that can be called parathetical chapters. For an example, after describing the trumpets in chapter 11, and before telling about the vials in chapter 15, Yahweh devotes chapter 12 to the story of a woman clothed with the sun. In chapter 13, he speaks of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Chapter 14 is on the 144,000 and the two harvests. After the vials, we are told the story of the judgment of the great whore. These are all parenthetical. They are located between the, the stories of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials. Now, we're going to take a, a comparison of five scriptures. Let's take a look at several key passages in the Bible. We will do a careful comparison of three key events in Revelation, the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial. The sixth seal is recorded in chapter 6. The seventh trumpet is in the in the 11th chapter, and the seventh vial is found in chapter 16. What we will discover is that these three events are actually the same. The sixth seal is the seventh trumpet and, the, and is the seventh vial. We will also see that Matthew 24, 29, and Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 18 through 22, are parallel accounts of the same. To accomplish this, we will now compare these five passages on a chart. And this is where I ask you to get a piece of paper out. And we're going to create this chart. And I want, I'm going to give you these five verses. We will look at each scripture and identify the actual events taking place. The scriptures will quite literally be laid side by side. What we will discover in will be amazing. We're going to be looking for common elements in this structure i'm setting the foundation for you that when we actually get into this chapter six you're going to start to see something 
You see, folks, we are already in this. We're already in this. I, I, I was reading the other day, and I want to share something with you. Talk about big media. How many of you people out there, uh, we, they're, they're, they're controlling everything. Do you know that <laughs> there's six companies that own over 90% of all the companies in the world? BlackRock, Vanguard, they all own. Let's look at AT&T, for instance. You think of AT&T and the cell phone. Do you know that AT&T owns Warner Media, Warner Brothers, DC Entertainment, in other words, DC Comics and DC Films, New Line Cinema, HBO, Otter Media, DirecTV, Cricket Wireless, Turner Broadcasting, which comes loaded with its own subsidiaries, which is CNN, Boomerang, Cartoon Network. That's AT&T. How about Walt Disney? Good Lord, Walt Disney. Walt Disney, ABC News, Disney Media Networks, ESPN, Touchstone Pictures, Marvel, Lucasfilm, A&E, Pixar, Hollywood Records, Vice Media, Core Publishing, Lifetime, History Channel, National Geographic. They merged with Fox, by the way. How about Comcast? Over 22 million internet customers reported in 2017. It's movie-making giant Universal Studios, Universal Pictures International, Universal Studios Home Entertainment, Universal Animation Studios, Universal Interactive. Did you hear that? Universal, Universal, Universal. These are global. The following are all directly owned or subsidiaries. MSNBC, NBC Universal, which operates NBC, NBC News, NBC Studios, NBC Sports. Also, Bravo, U.S. Networks, CNBC, Sci-Fi, Sleuth, DreamWorks, Emanation Studios. You see, folks, this is what's happening today. News Corp. News Corp owns the New York Post, HarperCollins, the Sun newspaper, the Sunday Times, the Dow Jones Company, which operates the Wall Street Journal. It also owns, this is News Corp, Fox Corp. It also owns Fox Broadcasting, Fox Television, Fox News, Fox Sports. The Murdoch family owns 39% shares in both News Corp and Fox Corp. Robert Murdoch the former CEO of 21st Century Fox is chairman of, of uh, News Corps. Controls 120 newspapers across the five. Then we go into Hearst Communications worldwide. They got the History Channel 50%, A&E 50%, Lifetime, Lifetime Movies 50%, ESPN 20%. Goes on and on. This, this is what we live in, folks. And this is happening today. This is why I'm trying to show you. We are already in this. For those of you who are thinking about being raptured out, I got news for you. You're already in it. 
as we read each of these scriptures, we will notice that they have many things in common. For instance, we will see that the three things happen to the earth. First, we'll read of earthquakes. There will be massive shifts in the earth, undoubtedly as a result of the earthquakes. The Bible describes it as mountains and islands moving out of the places. Then there will be great hailstorms. Not only will we see the earth shaken, but also there will be terrible disturbances in the heavens. The sun, the moons, the stars will all go dark. There will be great voices coming from heaven. The powers of the heaven will be shaken. When the powers of the heaven are shaken, there will be voices, uh, thunders, and lightnings. <coughs> As we read each scripture, it will become apparent what is happening is the wrath of Yahweh. Now, this chart. Now, keep in mind, I, I tell you guys uh, this chart here. And we're going to be studying five scriptures. Now, hopefully when I get home, I'll try to place this chart on my podcast. If you go to the podcast, you'll be able to, to see this chart. I'm going to try to put the chart on my podcast uh, later on. Uh, by the way, I want to thank all those individuals out there that literally do go and listen to the podcast. Uh, uh, I, I pray for you folks, that Yahweh blesses you guys, and I thank you so much. Now, here, here we're going to go. You're going to make you're going to make six columns. Alright. You're going to have. You're going to have one. Let's see here. And what we're going to do is. Across the top. You're going to have the sixth seal. Revelation 6. Chapter, chapter 6 verse 12 through 17. The seventh trumpet. Chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. The seventh vial, chapter 16, verses 17 through 21. Matthew 24, verse 29. And Ezekiel chapter 38. That's going to be on your first row. Your second row, all the way on the left-hand column, we're going to put earthquakes. Underneath that, sun black. Moon blood. Stars fall. Mountains, islands move. Yahweh's wrath. Great voices. Thunders, lightnings, voices and thunders. And the last one, great hail. Keep in mind, I'm setting you up the foundation so when we get in here. Now I'm going to skip down. I'm going to read verses in chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. And when I beheld, when he opened up the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when she is shaken of her mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bound man, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the uh, mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
For the great day of his wrath is come. Who should be able to stand? Now, there are certain things to take note in this sixth seal. We have a great earthquake. The sun became black. The moon became as a blood. Stars of heaven fell to the mountain. The mountains and the islands were moved, and the great day of his wrath has come. We have placed these six elements in the first column of our chart. So realistically, <coughs> what, what it should look like in your chart, you should have under the sixth seal, the great earthquake, the sun became black, moon became as blood, the stars of heaven fell to the earth, mountains and the islands were moved, the great day of his wrath has come. So now let's go into the seventh trumpet. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices. As I read this, I want you to see if you can pick out the common elements. And there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before Yahweh on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshipped Yahweh, saying, We give thee thanks, O Yah Lord Yahweh Almighty, which art, was, and art to come, because thou hast taken thee that great power, and hast reigned. The nations were angry. Thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that they shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of Yahweh was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament, and there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, earthquake, and great hail. In the seventh trumpet, we have an earthquake. Thy wrath is come. The great voices in heaven. Lightnings, voices, thunderings, and great hail. Now in your chart, this place the seventh trumpet in our chart. See how it compares to the sixth seal. Well, what do you got? Well, you got two earthquakes. You got two, thy wrath is come. You got you got the great voices, the lightnings, the voices, and the thunderings, and the great hail. You find that in the seventh trumpet. So we have to ask ourselves, are there two earthquakes? Or is there one earthquake, but given in two different stories? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. So we can see that the sixth seal and the seventh trumpet are both the wrath of Yahweh, and under both of the great earthquake. <laughs> there are several elements recorded in the sixth seal it's not recorded in the seventh in the seventh trumpet likewise there are several elements recorded in the seventh trumpet that's not recorded in the sixth seal now let's go to the seventh vial in Revelation chapter 16 verses 16 through 21 and he gathered them together in a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings 
and there was a great earthquake, such was not since the men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before Yahweh to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. The mountains were not found. And there fell upon men of great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent, approximately 125 pounds. And men blasphemed Yahweh because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now the very first thing that we should take note of in the reading of the seventh vial is the context of the scripture. Verse 16 establishes that the seventh vial is the battle of Armageddon. As we read this vial, notice that it sounds very much like the seventh trumpet. There was a great earthquake, islands fled away, mountains were not found. It's the wrath of Yahweh. We see a great voice from the temple in heaven, voices, thunders, lightning, and great hail. So, let's put this in our chart. So now we have three earthquakes mentioned in the sixth seal, seventh trump, and the seventh vial. We go on down, and we see here in the seventh vial, it talks about the islands flood away, just like the sixth seal. <laughs> so far, we got Yahweh's wrath in all three categories. We see that the, the vial says there's a great voice from the temple of heaven. And it talks about the voices, the thunders, and the lightnings, and the great hail. And also note, we got the battle of Armageddon. All this takes place in the sixth seal. And the seventh trump. And the seventh vial. Once again. Are these three different events? Or are there three earthquakes? Or is there one earthquake with three stories? The sixth seal, seventh trump, and the seventh vial. Alright. It's most interesting to notice that this extra piece of information now provides us for a direct link to the sixth seal. Remember, under the sixth seal, every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Because the seventh trumpet doesn't specifically mention mountains and islands moving, does that mean it doesn't happen? Certainly not. The seventh trumpet and the seventh vial are the same. The sixth seal says that the sun, the moon, the stars will go dark. This is not mentioned under the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial. Does this mean that the sun, moon, and the stars don't go under, go dark under the seventh trump and the seventh vial? No. It simply wasn't mentioned. As we look at the chart, we can see that the sixth seal, the seventh trump, and the seventh vial happen at the same time. And what is this time? The Battle of Armageddon. <coughs> if this isn't enough evidence, there's two more scriptural passages yet to be explored. With these passages, will link us to the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial. 
Here's Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. This scripture is virtually identical account of the sixth seal. The sun, moon, and the stars all go dark. Additionally, find that the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Another timing element is given to us in this scripture. It's very interesting. Notice, these events happen immediately after the tribulation. To understand what's meant by the tribulation, we can flip back a few verses in Matthew 24 to verses 15 through 21. Yeshua Messiah is saying here that when the abomination of desolation occurs, this will launch what is known as the Great Tribulations. The events of Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, occur immediately after the Great Tribulation. This piece of information will help us with our timelines as we move on. Let's look at our chart. So, in this Matthew chapter 4, verse 29, as you write in, the sun is darkened, just like the sixth seal. The moon shall not give her light, just as the moon became as blood. The stars shall fall from heaven, just as they're in the sixth seal. Folks, we see here the powers of heaven shall be shaken, just as that seventh trumpet and the seventh vial. Voices, thunders, lightning. But also notice, another thing is immediately after the tribulation. Again, under the sixth seal, the sun, moon, and the stars go dark. The same thing occurs in Matthew 24, 29. The sixth seal indicates that it's the wrath of Yahweh. Matthew 24 does not specifically mention this, but we know it is. Likewise, earthquakes are not mentioned in Matthew 24. But it's quite obvious there will be earthquakes. Another element is added to the mix in Matthew 24, verse 29. We find that the powers in heaven are shaken. According to the other accounts of the same event, at this very time will be thunders, lightnings, and voices. Since thunders, lightnings, and voices imitate, emanate from the heavens, it appears that these occurrences are synonymous. If it isn't already obvious that the sixth seal is the same as the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial, and Matthew 24, 29, or 24, 29 provides more glue, it also tells us when these things will happen after the Great Tribulation. Now, there's one more scripture to consider. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 18 through 22. Listen up. It shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel. Thus saith Adonai Yahweh, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in my fire of wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. 
And the mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall. Every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith Yahweh Adonai. Every man's sword shall be against his brother, and I will, I will plead against him with pestilence, with blood, and I will, will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing of rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. By now it should be obvious that any passage in scripture describing earthquakes, mountains being thrown down, and great hailstones is undoubtedly referring to the wrath of Yahweh. In the case of Ezekiel chapter 38 verses 18 through 22, this is also correct. In the fire of my wrath I have spoken. <laughs> Thus saith Adonai Yahweh. It's nice to see consistency within the scriptures both old and new. Ezekiel chapter 38 provides yet another contextual gem for us. What's being described here, seen in verse 2 of chapter 38, is the battle of Gog and Magog. This proves to us that the battle of Armageddon is the battle of Gog and Magog. Let's take a final look at our chart. So we see in Ezekiel 38, we've seen an earthquake. Just like we've seen in the sixth seal, seventh trumpet, seventh vial. Now I'm going to ask you again, are there four separate earthquakes? Or is it one earthquake with four stories? We also see in Ezekiel, mountains thrown down, just as we've seen it in the sixth seal and in the seventh vial. We also see about Yahweh's wrath, just as in the sixth seal, seventh trumpet and the seventh vial we see about the fowls in the heaven are shaken just as we've seen in matthew chapter 24 the seventh vial and the seventh trumpet we also read about the great hailstones just as the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial you see folks ezekiel 38 and the seventh vial are identical. It's interesting to notice that Ezekiel 38 only mentioned the destruction that takes place on the earth, while the seventh vial provides more detail. It also describes the shaking in the heavens, great voices coming from the temple in the heaven, the voices, thunderings, and the lightnings. Like I said, I want you to study the chart, compare what each occurs in the scriptures. I will be trying to upload this chart on my podcast so you can physically see this chart. The conclusion is obvious. Each of these five passages are described the same events. The events occur immediately after the Great Tribulation and during the Battle of Armageddon. The implications of the one insight are monumental in being able to understand the order of the Book of Revelation and the sequence of end-time events. By recognizing the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial are the same event, we confirm that Revelation is definitely not, definitely not in chronological order.
The sixth seal once again is recorded in chapter 6. The seventh trumpet in chapter 11. The seventh vial is described in chapter 16. And yet these are the same events, folks. Stated simply, the seals are the long view of the events culminating at the Battle of Armageddon. The trumpets are the shorter story ending at Armageddon. The vials are the very short story also ending at Armageddon. There are three different starting points, but all with the same ending. <coughs> Does the seventh seal open the seventh trumps? And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, about the space of a half hour. And I saw the seven angels stand, which stood before Yahweh, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now that we have determined that revelation is not chronological order, it brings up another interesting question. It's been commonly taught that the seventh seal is the event that opens the seven trumpets. This teaching is in line with chronological theory. But think about it. The sixth seal and the seventh trumpet happen at the same moment in time. How then is it possible for the seventh seal to open up all seven trumpets? The answer is simple. It can't. <coughs> Let's read the seventh seal. And when he had opened up the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. With this short and simple description, John's recording of the seven seals is done. Revelation, Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 ends the seals. Starting with verse 2, John now directs his attention to the seven trumpets. He writes, And I saw the seven angels which stood before Yahweh, and to them were given seven trumpets. Remember, when John wrote Revelation, he did not insert chapters, numbers, verse divisions. These were inserted many centuries ago at a time when these prophecies could not be understood. The prophecies were still in the words of Daniel chapter 8 or chapter 12 verse 9, closed up until the seal until the time of the end. It perhaps would have been better, better clear if Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 had been included at the last verse of chapter 7. <coughs> Excuse me. Once again, let me emphasize. The book of Revelation, or as I like to say, it's the apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah, is not wrote in a seven-year chronological theory. The most common held theory about the sequence of end-time events is that the book of Revelation was written in chronological order. The theory states that the end-time events will happen in order they appear in Revelation. The interpretive approach to understanding Revelation is calmly written, is to accept the chronological order of the book and its plain sense meaning. Now this theory states that the rapture of the church happened in chapter 4, verse 1. This is followed by seven years of hell on earth. In our upcoming study in the Apocalypse, I will have you create charts to explore the implications of the chronological written book. If by chance the events are in fact recorded in sequential order, then we are presented with all kinds of theological problems. I'm going to pick this up next week as we get into this. 
into this great study here. <coughs> As I close out this morning, let me ask you something there. I want to share with you two scriptures from Paul. Galatians 3.3 3 and 2 Corinthians 3.5. Paul writes, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfect by the flesh? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from Yahweh. You see, folks, our beginning with Yahweh was brought about by His works of His Spirit. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. There in Titus 3.5 We humbly admitted our sins, casting ourselves upon the mercy of Yahweh. The Holy Spirit brought us new birth, new life. The work of the Spirit is linked to the grace of Yahweh, later in the same sentence. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There in Titus 3.7 Thus starting out with Yahweh is related to His Spirit, applying His grace to our needs. Now having experienced spiritual birth by the Spirit, that's by grace now, will we be so foolish as to think that we could be spiritually developed by the flesh, in other words, by mere human activity. <laughs> Paul writes, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being, per uh, being made perfect by the flesh? The only way that spiritual growth can follow spiritual birth is by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's to say, by the grace of Yahweh. Continuing to impact our lives. The same terms are the only explanation for the development of obedience in the life of the child of Yahweh. It must come from the Spirit applied to the grace of our hearts. It is good that the heart be established by grace, as Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. In, in Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, there's another passage that carries the same message about obedience. <laughs> Excuse me. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from Yahweh. We are hereby reminded that Christians are not the source of any godliness that is to develop in their lives. This would include obedience. We do not have within our own resources what it takes to produce obedient life. Yet we do have available to us daily all that we need to grow in pleasing Yahweh and doing His will. Yahweh is to be our source, always for things spiritual. How do we draw upon His comprehensive sufficiency? Humbly depend upon Him. You see, folks, Yahweh pours grace into the humble heart, as Paul, as James writes in four six, and Paul writes in five Romans five twelve, and faith. Access is grace. Dear Heavenly Father, 
you would develop obedience in me the same way you brought me new life to me by your spirit, by your grace. I again confess my need for your sufficient resources for growing in obedience. And I truly rely on you. Father, show me my weakness. Strengthen me in my cause that I'm able to go out and to do your will, to teach others, to show others, to bring others out of that darkness into that light. Father, I pray for those listening this morning. I pray over them, Father. I pray in the name of Yeshua Messiah for their needs, physical, spiritual, Father. Lord, you are the giver of all things. And we should turn to you in the spirit and not seek out the flesh of the world. For you will provide, Father, especially as we get closer and closer to these times, Lord. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for keeping us, Father. For you are the one. In that name of Yeshua Messiah. Amen. Amen.